The International Association for Near-Death Studies presents NDE Radio, a weekly exploration of near-death experiences and similar encounters with the other side. Now, here's your host, Lee Whitting. Welcome to this pre-Christmas edition of NDE Radio. I'm your host, Lee Whitting. Today, I hope you'll accept this show as one more opening door on 2021's Advent Calendar. And I'm going to suggest you, uh, my listeners, take a further step, that is to begin participating in channeling the light on your own. Now, I know it's hard to imagine jumping into the NDE radio pool, along with some of the hair-raising STEs you've heard about on the show, but what I'm going to suggest is a simple procedure that could change how you see our lives contributing to healing in the world. I know it sounds idealistic perhaps too idealistic to be possible, but I'll tell you my own experience with it as we get further into the show. First of all, let me assure you, you would not be alone in moving from the sidelines to where the action is. For example, in this month's newsletter for the curious, PMH Atwater announced the winners of a major contest, an investment in moving from the sidelines, really, by Las Vegas billionaire Robert Bigelow, to motivate researchers to write essays of up to 25,000 words demonstrating tangible evidence of our ongoing consciousness after death. Motivated by tragic deaths in his own family, Bigelow paid millions for proof that our consciousness continues on the spiritual plane after our bodies die. Last January, Bigelow, through his Bigelow Institute for Consciousness Studies, offered prizes that wound up totaling close to $2 million dollars to those winners who could answer a single question that concerned him, to know if there is the possibility of survival of human consciousness beyond bodily death. Like many of us who pursue that question, Bigelow's concern was heightened by a series of personal tragedies, the death of his wife due to leukemia and the suicides of two other family members. His drive to strengthen his own hope for consciousness surviving death may also catch the interest and advance the understanding of other scientists out there when the essays are finally published. The contest was open to scientists trained in the field of neurology and psychology who had until this past August 1st to present their evidence on the survival of human consciousness. A panel of judges made up of experts determined the winners. First place place received $500,000, the second $300,000, and the third $150,000. In the end, the judges decided 29 winners should be declared, and the amount of prize money was more than doubled. The top essay was presented by parapsychologist Jeffrey Mishlove from New Mexico. It's titled, Beyond the Brain, Survival of Human Consciousness After Permanent Bodily Death. And according to local media, it was a unanimous choice of the panel of judges. Mishlov's essay included video clips and testimonials about near-death experiences, reincarnation cases documented by past life memories, and other types of evidence that consciousness survives physical death. The second place essay, Continuity of Consciousness, a concept based on scientific research on near-death experiences during cardiac arrest, was presented by Dutch cardiologist Dr. Pim van Lemmel. The doctors started a major study on near-death experiences 
as reported by patients who suffered heart attacks and then were resuscitated and returned with memories of what they found on the other side. Third place went to Leo Rukby, or Rukby, a British historian and sociologist of religion, for his essay titled The Ghost in the Time Machine. Bigelow plans to publish the 29 award-winning essays on the uh, Bix website and edit them into a series of books he plans to give away for free to university libraries, hospitals, hospices, and religious organizations. I'm happy for Bigelow and for the winners, and I look forward to reading their essays. But when it comes to scientific proof, I can't help but wonder if there is perhaps a moral conflict between knowing by faith there is a loving God versus such efforts to prove scientifically beyond the shadow of a doubt that consciousness is primary and determinative. I have no doubt that science will, in the end, prove the reality of consciousness as prime, but will that bring an end to our understanding of free will choice? Would undeniable proof of an all-knowing God preclude our going, our ongoing faith in a free choice relationship with the Creator? The 20th century existentialist atheist, Jean-Paul Sartre, famously said, we are condemned to be free. That's so, Sartre reasoned, because no creator made us according to preconceived notions that define us. We are condemned to be free to define ourselves. Would incontrovertible evidence of eternal consciousness in the I am condemn us to know that we are not free after all? But putting Sartre and science aside, let's look at our capacity for free will choice in our lives. If we were infinitely wise in this life, I imagine, there would be no choice to make. We would all seek to live in the grace and love of God. In this life, in this world, however, it seems our confusion comes from the circumstances into which we are born. We are often condemned emotionally, intellectually, biologically, and or economically. And that is by all the circumstances of our life that give the illusion of free will. I say illusion because these circumstances prejudice any so-called free will choices. When you come down to it, I believe there is only one place where our free will decision-making gets empowered in any meaningful way, given our circumstances, and that is in choosing whether or not to associate uh, ourselves with God. That's because we've been given a soul existence as well as a body. But your circumstances still tend to rule. If your life's inclinations trigger more fear in your brain than love, your well of faith can get poisoned by that fear. But if your heart decides God is a God of love, then you can be on course to merging with that love. But so often we're just not clear. Often a love-based heart competes with a brain that still wants to argue that life is to fear. It may even base that fear on the vision of a scary God who decides our eternal fate. Thus, the brain argues, the heart may call it love, but what choice do we have behaviorally but to be slaves to religion's rules if we want to be saved? The reason we report first-hand testimonies of NDEs here every week on NDE Radio 
is to draw attention to those NDEers who report they no longer have any doubts on the matter because they have seen the other side for themselves and know God's love is the prime reality, the only real reality there is. And most importantly, that there is not only no slavery, but that true liberation comes from merging with pure love. On last week's show, guest Lisa Anderson shared a gift she has experienced of channeling God's love to those in need. In thinking about it, I decided this week it might be simpler proof for listeners, rather than actually undergoing a near-death experience, that the light of the Spirit works not only for us, but through us, if we learn to invite it to, just as Lisa has. If you haven't caught my last week's interview uh, with Lisa, be sure you do. But for now, stay with me while I give you my take on what she has to teach us. One element Lisa mentioned in confronting experiences in her life was to say the Lord's Prayer. For many Christians, the Lord's Prayer is the prayer that comes to mind most readily, and as prayers go, it is almost a cliché. We repeat it so easily from memory that it can become intentionless, almost meaningless. For example, I once had a sweet but easily distracted member of my congregation ask me if there was really art in heaven. Art in heaven? I asked blankly, not following the question. You know, art in heaven, like the prayer says, she replied. It was a revelation to me at that moment, and became a good argument for not using the old English of the King James Bible to convey faith to a new generation. As a chaplain, I've prayed for people for decades and always thought Paul's letter to the Philippians contained good advice on how to pray. Paul wrote, The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. That's Philippians 4, verses 5 and 6. But think for a minute about the origin of the Lord's Prayer. It's the prayer Jesus taught when his disciples asked him how they should pray, as reported in the Gospel of Matthew, uh, chapter 6, 9 through 13, and again in Luke, chapter 11, uh, verses 2 to 4. So I decided to reflect in simple English on what and how Jesus was teaching us to place our intention. So let's go through it. Our Father in heaven, or simply Father, hallowed be the name I am, which is how God identified himself to Moses. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us our daily bread and forgive our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And do not lead us into temptation, but Rescue us from evil, or as the Orthodox say, rescue us from the evil one. Lisa reports she has been prompted to say the Lord's Prayer at a deep level before coming to circumstances where she would serve as a channel for God's love and healing. For instance, just before coming to a serious accident, Lisa heard a voice telling her to say the Lord's Prayer. As she whipped through it with the car radio still playing, she was told twice again to say it with all seriousness and to focus on the words. Now, what does that mean? 
Well, let's take a look at the prayer again, phrase by phrase. Whether you say Father or Our Father in Heaven, we mean the same. I prefer Our Father in Heaven because it reminds me that Our means the Creator of all of us, of everything, and also that Heaven is wherever God is, not the reverse. And of course, God is everywhere because the hallowed name is I Am. In other words, the isness and nowness of all that is. There's nothing more immediate and present than that. The Lord's Prayer continues, Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's not just some invitation to God for some date uncertain in the future. It's saying, Be here now. That is a summoning of the presence and acceptance of God's will, which, as NDEers know, is always love. Love is God's will. Next, the prayer covers our immediate needs as humans. We ask for nourishment for our bodies, and we ask for both forgiveness and the will to forgive in the same phrase, since our being forgiven depends on how completely we forgive others. In those two phrases, we are asking for the preparation of our bodies with the bread and souls with a forgiveness to be worthy of what's to come. We even go further and acknowledge our mortal, moral frailty. The prayer asks, do not expose us to temptations, addictions. We plead, but deliver us from evil or from the evil one. This last is what we are asking God to join us in preventing evil as we approach some difficult situation. We are offering ourselves to be God of, part of God's plan, a choice we are making of our own free will. Now look, here's the amazing thing. Spirit indicates a willingness to work through us to heal the world, but only if the free will invitation is extended from us to Spirit to do so. God's love will flow through us if we let it, if we make it our free will choice. And not only can that cooperation create miracles in the world, but it will confirm in us the knowledge that God is a God of love and not a God of fear. We learn through this experience of the divine working through us that the consciousness of God is love, and nothing less than love. Now, the miracle is not necessarily what you're asking God to do. Sometimes there'll be a healing, and sometimes there will not. But the request itself, the offer to be a channel for God's love, brings healing to the world at large just by your making the offer. And offering your participation brings an important blessing to your own soul as well. Lisa recognizes her own abilities, but believes this is an exercise we all can try for ourselves. She used the Lord's Prayer as her point of focus, of connection with God, and it really seems to work, even for non-Christians. Well, consider, when he taught it to his Hebrew disciples, Jesus was considered a rabbi, a teacher. Anyone who wants can claim the Lord's Prayer as a prayer for themselves. Anyway, let me tell you why I'm feeling enthusiastic about Lisa's experiences as a channel for light and what happened when I tried it myself. Back in November, I flew out to Arizona to check on our straw bale house located 
I believe, on its own vortex, not far from Sedona. The house is kind of a miracle itself, and I will dedicate a show to it one of these days. It's the place where the Phoenix door is located, the same door that appears on the cover of my novel, Beneath the Phoenix Door. Anyway, because of COVID, I hadn't been out there for 18 months. To get there, I went through three airports each way, where not everyone observed the masking rules. Long story short, I came down with a heavy cold, so bad I figured it was COVID-19, even though I'd even had a booster shot. Back home, I got tested and got a negative. No COVID, but I had the worst cold ever. And of course, my wife, Charlene, who had had all of her COVID shots as well, then caught it from me. My congestion was bad, and hers was worse. I was a hospital chaplain long enough to recognize the signs of pneumonia coming on. But with our main hospitals full to overflowing with COVID patients right now, I knew that was the last place to go. I had just interviewed Lisa and was impressed with her stories of using the Lord's Prayer to channel God's healing love to others. Now, Lisa may have a special gift, but I certainly do not. Although I had a childhood NDE, I received no gifts of healing as a result. As a chaplain, I prayed for my patients' healing dozens of times a day, and prayer certainly helped in most cases to calm the person and reduce their stress, and stress is the worst killer of all. But my participation in healings was minimal at best. Miraculous cures do happen in hospitals, but in my 15 years of practice, I can recall only two cases where my participation may have had a significant impact in saving lives through prayer. Anyway, I was listening to my wife's hacking cough, and it had gone on so long she was exhausted from it. I went through the Lord's Prayer, line by line, and here's what I thought. Our Father in heaven, that addresses God where he is, which is everywhere. That means heaven is here on earth as well. Hallowed be your name. That name is I am. In Hebrew, it conjoins past, present, and future. God is reality through all time, which is now. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. This is calling on heaven, God's kingdom, to be present among us on earth right now. And God's will, love, to happen right now. Give us our daily bread and forgive our sins as we forgive sins against us. Don't let us be tempted and save us from evil. In short, this is asking our own body and soul's needs to be met, to make us a workable, acceptable channel in the service of healing. Having reflected on the prayer, I placed my hands on my wife's back and cleared myself as best I could for God's love to flow through. It felt like sticking a thin straw into the Niagara Falls of God's outpouring love. And right then, my wife stopped coughing. Now let me hasten to assure you, Charlene was not completely healed. She had coughing bouts after that. But the worst was past, and she improved more and more each day. And no, I didn't tell her what I was attempting to do. I said nothing about it. All she knew was that I'd put my hands on her back for a minute. 
What I learned from Lisa was what I could call a different configuration of prayer. This was not my prayer asking God to heal Charlene, but a free will offering to use myself as a channel for God's healing to pass through me to do the healing. The difference is hard to explain, but I think it makes all the difference. It comes down to attempting to link ourselves simply as a channel for the light in an effort to heal or help someone else. In theory, it's the best healing gift we can give, and I think it may be the best way God is attuned to working with us, any of us who are willing to heal one another and bring healing to the world. Now, it seems to me that as numbers of channels open up for God and people to work together, the benefits to the world at large will multiply exponentially. Of course, some will be more in tune with this than others. Some of you out there no doubt have been channeling spiritual healing to others for years. Lisa's experiences indicate an inborn, but not an exclusive talent. And of course, the legendary Edgar Cayce was a a master channeling physical healing from God to strangers by request. It would not surprise me to hear there are other Edgar Caseys out there hiding their special relationship with spirit under a bushel. That's because it's in our nature to look for champions like Edgar Casey, who have mastered a skill while we stand back in awe and adulation and make their lives a living hell with our demands. Well, consider how the sick and disabled pursued Jesus for his powers of healing. But what if we all harbored some ability to channel the love of the I am to others? Just the act of trying would, I suspect, bring a smile to the faces of the angels. After all, that's the whole meaning and intention of free will. Free will is given to us to be a part of God's love or not. And the act of trying to heal others by channeling that love puts our own soul in alignment with the I am who loves us already. No other conceivable understanding of free will choice can hold a candle to that. And to God, I believe, it's the reason for our existence. Listen, I'm not suggesting we reconfigure our whole lives around this notion of partnering in love with God. There's no need to join a monastery or move to a cave on the mountaintop. Where God's healing love is most needed right now is right here in the midst of things where racism and drug addiction, psychological and physical violence and exploitations of every sort to one another and to the planet are in dire need of the healing we're talking about. So even a partial participation, folks, might just make a profound difference. When the mayor of Mayfair, Kentucky, asked for the prayers uh, of all the listeners uh, after the tornado passed through, I applied the same straw analogy and tried again to channel God's love. Anyone's straw may deliver less than a drop of water to a nation dying of spiritual thirst. But if millions of straws, you and me and others, put our hearts and minds to work channeling God's Niagara Falls of love, everything could change for the better. The last line of the Lord's Prayer in the Orthodox ends with, Save us from the evil one. It's not medieval superstition to personify evil. It's that way is uh, it's that way in the Bible as well as in Jesus' prayer. 
If there weren't a phantom tyrant of evil, the very greed of self-serving meanness uh, would self-generate one out of sheer narcissism. There is an evil essence that seeks to seize power by destroying faith, feeding fear, and employing all the tools of divide and conquer and kill. Weapons of evil manifest in racism and sexism, religious bigotry, lies that poison minds, and AR-15s that facilitate murdering our brothers and sisters. Divide and conquer and kill is armed by conspiratorial fantasy lies, hate and fear, and also by the greed that brings on the chaos of climate change. But those fires can be quelled by streaming God's love, and it will happen if we all become the straws needed to draw on God's Niagara Falls. Spiritually speaking, that exercise can turn us from fear to love if we let it. God is only waiting for our free will request to work with him together toward that end. Request it, and with God here, now, and with us tapped into that presence, everything good and true and grounded in love is possible. So give it a try, if you will, and please let me know what happens for you. As Mark Twain is quoted as saying, the two most important days in your life are the day you were born and the day you find out why. Once again, my thanks to Lisa Anderson for opening all those Advent calendar doors on stories of the miraculous in everyday life. If there are listeners who have not yet heard last week's interview with Lisa, please check out the December 13th, 2021 show on TalkZone or on our YouTube archive at NDE Radio with Lee Whitting and give a listen. And if you would like to hear this show again or any of our more than 400 archived NDE interviews, subscribe to our YouTube channel, NDE Radio with Lee Whitting, where you can listen and comment on the complete NDE Radio library. And be sure to like, follow, and share our NDE Radio Facebook page and discover our Facebook group and links to our YouTube channel while you're there. Just search NDE Radio with Lee Whitting on your Facebook app. And listen again next Monday, 11 a.m. Eastern at Talk Zone for more NDE Radio. I'm your host, Lee Whitting, saying thanks for listening. <laughs>